It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Welcome to another episode of the Counterpoint Podcast brought to you by BGN Radio and bgnradio.com. I'm your host, Jack Fritz, as always, and I'm going to enter in the trust tree early this week, right off the bat. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I did not have a podcast out last week. Um, I was really, really tired on Thursday when I usually record this, and by the time I was done on Friday, it was just too late. John got busy, we all got busy, and wasn't able to go up. So, sorry in advance for uh, really letting you down and not being able to tell you important things that are going on with the Eagles. Um, I know you don't really hear that anywhere else, so um, really uh, sorry for last week, but guess what? We're back this week, and we're discussing an Eagles win. And, yes, it was it was the longest field goal in Eagles history and all this awesome stuff. But in classic Philly fashion, <laughs> we have to be miserable because we can just never be happy. And for two days since the game, most of the topic around Philadelphia has been Doug's choice to go for it on fourth and eight from their own 43 with like a under two minutes left in the first half. And yes, it was 100% the wrong decision. And if you think it's the right decision, I'm sorry. You just don't know football. It was, it was 100% the wrong decision. It, it, it changes the whole Giants game plan. It could change all momentum. And yes, even though they didn't score, that doesn't mean it was the right decision. And you know what? They probably did score because Sterling Shepard looked like he caught a touchdown. Listen. Fourth and eight is just too long. It's just too far away. I understand the aggressiveness. And in general, I like the aggressiveness. But not then. Not not at that point when there's a, under two minutes left in the half. You don't want to give this team any sign of light. Just pin them deep. It's, 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 it's conservative, but it's smart. It's not dumb as shit like going for it on fourth and eight. I know you've all heard these takes. I don't under I I literally I I do not understand how anyone's like oh you know what it was actually a good choice yeah yeah and then they're trying to explain analytics like they know what the fuck they're talking about 
It wasn't a good choice. It just wasn't. Pin them deep. Go into the halftime with a 7 nothing lead. Don't breathe any life into a lifeless team. The Giants luckily go down, and nothing came of it. And also, like Carson Wentz deserves a lot of blame for that. A lot of blame. That is the you cannot take a sack there. But Doug put him in that situation, but the wrong call. And he knows that that, that Carson is 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 prone to taking sacks because he holds on to the ball long, trying to make a play. And and in the end, I like that he holds on to the ball and tries to make a play because in the end, that's when the magic happens. That's when that's when the Wentz magic takes over. But man, it can definitely kill you sometimes, and and Carson has to understand that in that situation. But I don't want to spend this podcast talking about the fourth and eighth call. I mean, I thought it was ridiculous, and it seemed like a, a Madden move, but whatever. The Eagles won. It was fantastic. We own the Giants, and that was the first time Carson has 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 brought the team back. And I've said this before. It's the most important thing for me when it comes to knowing the guy. Knowing a guy is the guy. That makes sense, right? Knowing the guy is the guy. Knowing a guy is the guy. Being able to lead your team back in clutch situations when the, when the momentum is against you is is the most important part of having a franchise quarterback. It's what teams without franchise quarterbacks can't do. And Carson did it. Now, was he perfect in this game? No. He was more game manager-y, but that's fine. It was an, it was an important step in the progression of our quarterback. They were 1 in 7 in one score games last year. This is a step in the right direction. He brought the team back. All momentum was against the Eagles. By God, our ginger Jesus did it. So proud of him. But let's move on to after the game. I have a a, a gripe that I think I'm the only one that's even noticed this and would have a gripe with it. But when the fuck did Camus Gruget Hill become Mr. Eagle? Now, I know what you're thinking. Why does Jack care about Camu Gruje Hill? Because I just don't understand when this guy turned into lead cheerleader for the Eagles. Camu Gruje Hill has been involved in in two major parts of this Eagles season. He was the one that jeopardized the Eagles season by dumping Gatorade on Doug Peterson after week one. He led that. And I was a little confused then because, like, what do you do? Like, you're you're on special teams. Like, why? What gives you the right to decide to dump Gatorade on our head coach in Week One? What gives you that right? And then the other day, he carries off Jake Elliott off the field. A- a- am I missing something here, or has Camu Grugia Hill been here for like a decade, and the Soul City is in love with him, and he's like the head cheerleader of the Eagles? I don't get it. I don't get it. Where the where the fuck did this guy come from? I, I he came from he's, he wasn't even drafted here. He's from New England. He claimed him off waivers. Where when is he making these decisions? When is he deciding I'm going to pour Gatorade on Doug Peterson and I'm going to carry the kicker off the field? I mean, what, what the hell, man? Cam Grugier Hill, special teamer, backup linebacker, making key decisions off the field for this Eagles team. I think the Eagles are lying to Doug Peterson. And I say that because this guy, this guy, every time Doug is questioned on his fourth down calls, he always says that the analytics say it was the right move. 
Every single time. It's like clockwork. The analytics were never on the wrong side. So, so the analytics is always in support of going for it on fourth down. So that means that you always have to go for it on fourth down. Also, th- there's a negative 10% chance that Doug has any idea of what these analytics even mean. A negative 10% chance. I'll put money on that. I even hate when Doug says the word analytics because I know he has no idea what the fuck they even mean. Doug does not... I would bet my life savings that Doug has no idea what these analytics mean at all. And, and can you just imagine for me the first time that Lori went to Howie and said to him, listen, Howie, listen, Howie, you have to teach Doug analytics. Can't you just imagine Howie letting out a deep sigh, knowing that it was just a hopeless cause? Like he, was, like he had to teach a puppy things because Doug, Doug is essentially just a puppy. A short attention span and easily amused by objects. I feel like Howie was, was just like, why, 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 why would I even waste my time? And you're in luck because I'm actually going to take you inside that first meeting because this is how I pretty much envision it going. I apologize in advance for my horrible Howie impression and my equally as bad Doug impression. But let's go inside what this first meeting was like. All right, Doug, grab a pen and paper. I'm going to try to teach you about analytics. Now, I know you know nothing about these, so I'm going to speak very slowly. It's kind of like vanilla and chocolate, (laughs) Doug. Analytics can be your friend, but they can't be the only thing you can use. Sometimes you have to use your gut. Andy hated analytics because he only used his gut. Because he had a big one, Doug. Yup, yup. Got it. Got it. Analytics, I got this. I'm going to be great at it. All right. Let's start with DVOA, shall we? Uh, well, uh, okay, now how, how would you spell that? All right, uh, let's just, let's move on to another one here I got on my sheet. Uh, how about, let's move on to air yards. No, I'm just kidding, those are stupid. Yada, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get to fourth downs. 60% of the time, they work every time. No, Doug, Doug, don't write that down, that's a joke. Fourth down and eight, they have to get to the Giants 35. Back goes Wentz. He steps up. He looks. He is trying to get free. And he's thrown down on his own side of the field. And that's not good. That's not good because it's going to give the Giants the ball at midfield. Can't you just imagine Howie up there in the box with the binoculars being like, you motherfucker. <laughs> you didn't pay attention. It was a joke. Because apparently 60% of the time, you got to go for it on fourth down. Now, Something else that pissed me off this week. Dunkin' Donuts is clearly scared of the Eagles. There's there's no other way to put it. Just when the Eagles get their franchise quarterback, Sam Bradford's gone, Chip Kelly's gone, now they bump up the, the, the free coffee after an Eagles win to a dollar? The Eagles have a, some semblance of hope, and Dunkin' Donuts gets scared? They get scared the Eagles are going to win too much? I mean, seriously. So I don't know if you saw this, which I'm sure you have, because I'm sure you went to Dunkin', the Monday after an Eagles game, and you grabbed your, you were, you were expecting a nice free coffee after enjoying a thrilling Eagles win. But guess what? You showed up to that Dunkin', and they said, nope, it's a dollar. Now, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's a, it's a free, it's, it's coffee. Coffee is, is produced at an alarming rate because everyone needs coffee. And they can't just give away free coffee after an Eagles win. 
This is Dunkin' Donuts is afraid to compete. They're scared. They're scared of a good Eagles team taking too much free coffee from them. There's no way to explain it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. They go from free coffee. The, the, you know, it's like it's like Pavlov's dog. Dog. You know, you're so used to after that Eagles win, heading to Dunkin' for that free coffee, and and they change it up on you like that. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Absolute bullshit move by Duncan. A Bush League move. Think about the people, Duncan. People expecting their free coffee. Dunkin' Donuts was messing with our mind. We're just poor dogs. And maybe, fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the I'm gonna use the Bambi. Going back to Bambi. We were like deer wandering out in the middle of the road, expecting that free coffee. Guess what? Not there anymore. Because Duncan got selfish. They got afraid that the Eagles were getting too good. And they took away your free coffee. I think it's time to find a new outlet if I was the Eagles. That's what I would do. It's exactly what I would do. Find someone else. <laughs> Guys, we have Ben McAdoo update. Um, I don't know if so last the last podcast I did, we talked about how he's slicking back his hair, looking even more creepy than possible, and he is just the mid he's ugly. And he needs to just wear jorts and, and white new balances like he was always meant to do. But guess what? I swear to God, Ben McAdoo gained like 40 pounds this week, and I don't know if it's because he was sleeping in his office because he thinks he's a football guy. Um, but I swear to God, he looked 40 pounds heavier on Sunday. And and Ben McAdoo got his tan. Ben McAdoo, to go along with that creepy-ass haircut, got a tan because he thought that would make himself look better. Just give it up, man. We talked about this on the podcast last week, man. You're an ugly guy. The slick back hair was bad. Now you're adding a tan to that? I mean, what's next? What's next, Ben? A tattoo? A barbed wire tattoo and a motorcycle? Trying to be the, the cool dad? Just give it up, Ben. Maybe, maybe hit the treadmill every once in a while. All right, we have our hashtag 100 take of the week. And it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a recent take, but it does come from a young Frank Reich. And shout out to Jerry the Asman for, for, for finding this absolute gold of a quote from Eagles offensive coordinator, now, Frank Reich, but back in his younger days. Take a listen. You know, a team's quarterback has a lot of responsibility. The team depends on him when he's on the field. However, parents have the greatest responsibility of all. Sex is great, but only between people who are married to each other. It's an awesome thing to create a new life. <laughs> oh, shout out to Jared the Ass, man. What a, what a take. What an absolute take. I, man, Frank Reich coming in with an absolute haymaker from left field. Oh, sex is great. But only when it's between two people that care. Uh, they just plastered that all over, all over the Novacare complex. Frank Reich, the comeback kid Frank Reich, just firing on all cylinders. That, that was 100% the hashtag take of the, hashtag 100 take of the week. <laughs> All right, now, what's the line saying? Um, now, I, I want you guys to all believe me here. Because as we always talk about, this is the trust tree. And I recorded a podcast last week. It didn't come out. But I predicted on that podcast, a podcast that, once again, never aired. But I'm promising you that. I said it was going to be a close game. And that six points was a little bit too high. And people were like, people probably would have been like, oh, that's ridiculous. The Giants suck. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. It was also the most confident I've been in an Eagles win in a long time because I just uh, I had a feeling. Uh, actually, you know what? I do have audio from that. I'm going to put it in now. 
This is exactly what I said last week on a podcast that never aired. I think six is too big of a line. I know the Giants absolutely suck, and they look like they're in disarray. It seems like there's a whole bunch of dysfunction up there. But in my gut, um, the line is telling me that they are trying to get people to bet on the Giants, and they can't do it. So I feel like they're gonna there's gonna be a lot of money on the Eagles, and there's gonna be some fishy things going on in this game, and the Eagles win by four. Now you can choose to believe whether that's the audio from last week or not. I'm just telling you it was because we're in the trust tree. I trust you. You trust me. That's how this thing works. Um, I'm going to take that as a win. 3-0 in my what's the line saying predictions. Week one, said we're going to blow out the Redskins. Week two, said the Chiefs were going to win. Week three, I promise you, I said that the Giants would cover and I was worried about the big spread. Now, the Eagles are headed west. They're going east to west for a date with the Los Angeles Chargers, who I still call the San Diego Chargers. And they're playing against Phillip Rivers, who lives in a perpetual state of down one score with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and he has to drive his team down the field. Phillip Rivers wakes up in the middle of the night in that scenario, and then it relives itself on Sunday. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty unprecedented. But uh, the Eagles are one-point dogs heading into... Los Angeles, not San Diego. And I'm just going to come out and say this right now. The Eagles are going to lose this football game. Just based on what the line's saying. And because there are some actual factors that, that are, are working against them. Now, the, the, the Chargers are not as bad as their record shows, which I feel like we say every single year. But they went into Denver, lost by mm, three points on a, on a blocked kick that would have sent it to overtime. Uh, and then, as you saw, Denver absolutely dismantled Dallas at home the week after. So that lends me to believe that the Chargers aren't that bad. And then they lost on a missed field goal by that uh, that young Ho Koo kid to the Miami Dolphins. They lost 20 to 19 there in a close game against a Dolphins team that's probably actually pretty bad because they got blown out by the Jets last weekend. And last week they lost at home against a very good KC team. So the Chargers are 0-3, but the Eagles are traveling east to west, which, as you well know, just usually doesn't lend itself to good things happening. And the line is plus one. And if you are a a average gambler and you're looking at that line, you're going to say to yourself, oh, the Eagles are 2-1. They just beat the Giants at home. It makes sense. I'm going to take the Eagles. Plus one seems like a good value, and I can see the public being all over the Eagles, but I think it's a trap. And I think the Chargers are going to come out and beat us on Sunday. And the Eagles coming off an emotional win at home are just going to come out a bit flat. Do I like saying that? No. But I'm just telling you what the line is saying. I'm taking all bias out of it. I think the Eagles lose this weekend. And they move on to 2-2 two and two on the 2017 season. Finally this week, we have a post-game speech from Doug Peterson to break down. And I tell you what. Wasn't really a big fan of it. Let's take a listen. Let me just tell you something. Okay, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a little story. Last year, last year, we weren't so fortunate in these types of games, right? So what I'm saying is you guys have learned how to fight to the end, figure out a way to win a football game against a fine football team. We knew exactly what this was going to be about. It was going to be a four-quarter battle. You never gave up. 
Defense, you kept the offense in the game. Special teams, right? We said both this week. You keep both sides in the game. Offense, great job. We went down, we tied it, got the field goal at the end. Where's Mr. Elliott at? That gives you a little glimpse of where we can go. Great job, man. So proud of you guys. Great job. Great job. One, two, three. We all we got. Four, five, six. We all we need. First off, Doug, you dumb fuck. That wasn't a story, okay? That wasn't a story. It was more of a statement. It wasn't a story. Yeah, the Eagles last year don't win that game. It still wasn't a story. It was more just like, hey, yeah, last year we don't win that game, and this year we did. And it doesn't make it a story. So bad use of the English language, Doug. It's bad on you. Second off, uh, special teams, we told you to, uh, yeah, just do both. Awesome. Really motivating stuff, Doug. And then finally, Doug uses this, this thing every time. It's always the, you got a little glimpse. You got a little glimpse of what we can be. Get the little glimpse. Doug, buddy, you can't use the same fucking lines every time you win a game. If, if, if that was my coach, I'd be like, listen, man, you say that shit every time. You can't do that. Your post-game speeches after a win are getting repetitive, Doug. You're getting sloppy, and they need to be better. They simply need to be better. That was a, that was a, a bad post-game speech that I would not have left feeling motivated about. Because guess what? From all the tape I studied of Doug's post-game speeches, he always says that, yeah, we've got a little glimpse. Got a little glimpse of how good we can be. Every single time. Every time. Now, I will say this. As Jimmy Kemsky mentioned on an earlier podcast, his, his vein to wristwatch ratio was strong. He looked like he was in control. But it was a shaky post-game speech. I, I, I wasn't a fan. Wasn't a fan at all. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Counterpoint Podcast. Again, I hope I am wrong on what the line is saying. But so far, 3-0, if you choose to believe me, which you should because, because why wouldn't you? You trust me at this point, and I think I've led you fearlessly through the 2017 Eagles season. Um, thanks for listening as always. And I promise that – actually, no, Counterpoint, it's new day, is going to be on Wednesdays. So it's not going to be Fridays anymore. I know you can't listen to it when you're trying to avoid family on the weekends. Now you got to avoid family during the week because the Counterpoint podcast is, is in the week now, which you should be excited for because it's electric. But like I said, that's going to do it for the Counterpoint podcast. I'll be back next week on our new day, Wednesday, hopefully breaking down a bird's victory in Los Angeles. <laughs> What, your second record, and it's the song you wrote. Uh, yes, I write most of the stuff.